Good morning again. So now I'm up here in a different capacity. So how's everybody doing this morning? Good. I heard a couple greats uh, in different orders, so that was neat. Uh, is everybody keeping track of the French Open that's going on right now? Good. I'm a big Nadal fan. I don't want to spoil things, but right now he's winning. Uh, I used to, that's good. That wasn't the joke. I, 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 uh, I've, I think I've built some kind of a reputation here because people are starting to laugh before I even say anything, and that's <laughs> worrisome. Uh, and now it's already been too let up. But anyway, I used to play tennis and coach tennis, but it's a very lonely life because when you're involved with tennis, love means nothing. There we go. Okay. Thank you. Yes, there we go. I'll explain that to anybody who didn't get it later. Uh, so we're doing the Miracles series, the God of Miracles, and, and it's such a cool series because if you look through the entire Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, there are so many miracles. Now, as we live our daily lives, sometimes we fail to see them or we'll talk about things as if they're miracles when it's kind of a common occurrence because we're looking so much for them. But the important thing to know is that God is always performing miracles, even if we don't see it. Now, sometimes we have to look harder. But as I was preparing for this, this series, and, and I'm blessed to have a few messages in it, I was thinking, what, what do I want to talk about? God, what do you want to say? Which miracles? Because there's so many. Which miracles really stand out? And, you know, you can go with anything. Uh, I really love, and I'm going to tell you where I'm going in a second, but I really love the whole, uh, the, the ten plagues. I don't love the plagues, but I love that story and how uh, God used Moses to free the Israelites. And just each of those, and it's so cool, if you could go in depth, you could do each of those separately, and you can go in depth to how each one not only provided power uh, for God's people, not only provided security, not only showed who God was, but it also went against something that the Egyptians thought of as their gods. And so it was very specific and very cool. And that led into the one that I'm going to talk about, which is uh, from Exodus 14, 15 through 31. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk from the aspect of No Way Home. Now, I made that title up completely myself, but No Way Home. And I want you to, I say this sometimes before I read the scripture, and this is one that everybody knows. Everybody has heard this. We teach it in Sunday school, children's church. We talk about it several times. It's an amazing miracle. And you can tell what it is from this and the way that we have the chairs today and all of these different things. Um, but I want you to put yourself in the place of the Israelites, as this is happening. So you've just been freed, all this stuff is happening, you've seen a lot, but there is a sea in front of you and an army behind you. And so, like I've said, we know this story. We know what happens. We know what God can do. But put yourself in that moment as I read this, what it must have felt like. And so we're going to Exodus 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the foot and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned, on, uh, turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. So as we go into this, first I want you to look at Moses' faith. Now, now Moses had his issues, absolutely, but he continued to build a faith in the Lord, and he continued to lead for the Lord. Now, he didn't think a lot of himself sometimes, but he trusted God, and that was the important thing. And so we look at his faith. So publicly, he is strongly saying, we are going to get through this. And he means it. He believes that they're going to get through it. But privately, he is going to God and saying, God, you have to help me. Like, you're the only way we can get through it. Now, there are people that would say, well, he's got a public face and a private face. Well, that's, that's not what's happening. What's happening is publicly he's showing who God is because he truly believes it and he truly feels it. But privately, he knows that he's not enough without God. And so he's going to him. He's praying to him. He's asking for help. And God gives him very simple instructions. There's so many ways God could accomplish this. And he could do it without Moses' help. He could just teleport them. He could do all kinds of things. But he gives Moses very simple instructions. He doesn't need Moses. But he wants Moses to be a part of it. Not just to show what he can do through us. Not just to show what is possible through him. But to show the Israelites and the Egyptians of who God is. And the scripture tells us that the Egyptians would see God's glory. Uh, Sometimes in things like this, sometimes in our lives, we focus on what is happening. We focus on the problem. We focus on the block. Even sometimes we focus on the aftermath. But this miracle that is about to happen, spoiler alert, God is showing who he is to the Israelites, yes, but also to the Egyptians. Now, the ones that are there can't do anything about it, but it is to show that he is the God of all if he is chosen by them. You see, we look at stories like this and we think, well, yeah, the Israelites, they followed God, that's good. Everyone has that chance. Everyone can see God and he uses us to show people who he is. And that can be its own miracle, to show people who he is so everyone will choose him. Because that is the hope, that is the goal, that is everything. Now back to the Israelites and back to Moses and everything that is happening. So to set the stage, we have the sea in front of them. And, you know, you can argue how deep it was. It, wasn't, it was deep enough that it wouldn't be possible to cross with everybody that you had and little kids and, and waves and everything else that happens in seas. I assume you guys have seen seas before. No, okay, well. Um, so the sea is in front of them, a barrier. Obvious barrier, something they cannot cross. They don't have boats. They don't have time to build boats. Noah's nowhere. And, okay, it's a rough day today, guys. And so behind them is a cloud of fire. Now, we know, because we just read, that it is an angel that's providing fire and keeping the Egyptians behind them, making sure they don't advance. But as far as the Israelites can see, there is a barrier behind and a barrier in front. So they have to push through one, 
but they are supposed to avoid the other one. Now, in our lives, sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to know, well, is this a barrier that I'm supposed to push through? Is this a challenge that I'm supposed to face? Or is this a sign saying that I'm supposed to walk away? And that's super hard. That's something that requires a lot of prayer and a lot of growth and a lot of discussion and a lot of just study. But for them right now, it's like, what are we doing? Everything's closing in. I don't know if in your life you've ever felt that feeling, like everything is closing in. Now, again, we know that part of that is his protection. But sometimes we don't know how God is protecting us. We don't see how God is protecting us. We don't realize because the threats don't happen, because the, the, the stuff doesn't happen. So when Stevie, my dog, and that's a weird transition, but don't worry, I'm going somewhere. When Stevie, my dog, uh, could see better, uh, she would bark at any kind of animal on the TV. Any kind of animal. She could see it. She would even see a drawing of an animal and bark at it. And so in her mind, she's protecting me. And it's not that she's just trying to bark and trying to be loud. She's protecting me. Now, I can say, well, it's a TV thing, but I've never been attacked by any of those animals, so she did her job. And so we haven't been attacked in some ways. Now we have in others, but God protects us even when we don't realize it. And so that's an important part here, but still it's that barrier. What do we do? How do we know what we're doing? And I talked about no way home. Sometimes we can't see the path forward. Sometimes it's just a see. Sometimes we have no idea where we're going to go. We have no idea what we're going to do. We have no idea who we're going to be. Uh, so I am not a native Ohioan, uh, as you may tell from most of my jokes at your guys' expense. But I love all of you. Uh, just not the Bengals. I don't have a problem with the Bengals. Um, but I, I am from Indiana, which is akin to heaven. And so I'm from Indiana near Bloomington, which is IU, but uh, I grew up in Seymour, which is a small town. If you haven't heard of it, congratulations. Um, but it's a small town pretty much right between uh, Louisville and Indianapolis on I-65, so it's right there if you want to go see the Jeff Memorial or whatever they have. But uh, I was raised by my great-grandparents, as I've talked about before, and I was raised in the same church that was my first ministry position. And so I was a youth pastor, but the church was in a transition, and so Jesus said, uh, it's hard to go home and minister. And that's paraphrased, but he said, it's hard to do that at home. And so I learned that. Now, I love the church and the people there, but it was a difficult time. And I was, uh, it, the decision was made for me to be paid part-time, but work full-time. It was encouraged that I volunteer what time I wasn't being paid for. And so, you know, that was full schedule. Uh, my great-grandma had just passed, and so I had to leave my home and I had to get one of those, I think they're called efficiency apartments, but it's not the kind that you're picturing where they're kind of nice. This was a house that was not supposed to be an apartment. And the guy was very clear, like, hey, don't talk to cable or anybody because I'm not supposed to be doing this. But it was like $4.50 a month, and it included cable and internet. And just as a quick side note to tell you what it was like, one time, uh, and I had the wireless for the, the home so that everybody could use it because I was the most trustworthy, apparently. And... Uh, one time, my internet stopped working. And so I checked, and I'm like, oh, man, I've reset it. I've done everything. This stinks. And so I called the cable company, and they came out. I wasn't supposed to, but I did. And they came out, and they checked, and they go downstairs, and uh, they check, and they're like, oh, yeah, someone cut your wire and put it into their own computer. And so this stuff happened a lot. So yeah, so it was not a great situation. Uh, and I had to share a bathroom. I didn't have a kitchen, all of these things. 
And I'm not saying this for a woe is me because I made the choice and it was my decision to follow God in whatever way I could. But it was very difficult. And I've talked before about how God met my financial needs and, and because I was doing my best for him, he helped me so much. But I still felt like this can't be where I'm supposed to be. And I didn't know what to do. I was new to this. I had no idea how ministry worked. I had no idea how anything worked. Uh, and, and so I was very alone, just me and Stevie. And I'm in that apartment, and every day it just gets a little sad, and it's a little discouraging, and the cops would be around for other people who lived there, and it was rough. And then one day, I got a random call. Uh, I've spoken about Dan Walters before. Some of you know him, some of you don't. He was my pastor at Tri-County Nazarene. He was there for 30-some years, uh, just continues to minister for God, wonderful person. But he called and said, hey, so we found your resume. Could you come and interview? And I'm like, I, Ohio? That's so far away. You know, it's, this is nuts. Like, how can I go to Ohio? And, uh, and so I, I answer the call, and I go because, you know, I, I was like, okay, this is clear. And as I'm talking to him, uh, it, felt, it felt right. But also he told me the story, and this is my point, because I had all of these barriers in front of me. And we started talking about my resume. And my resume had been on the Nazarene job site, because at the time I was Nazarene, uh, on the Nazarene job site for, I don't know, years, like a couple years. I just put it up there, and it was there. And as with any job site, like as you continue to let it sit there, it drops, and it drops, and more come on and on. And so he's like, we printed out over 200 resumes for this position we're looking for, associate pastor and youth pastor. And we printed them out. And each of us just happened to have a copy of yours. And it was at the bottom of the pile, but it stood out. And so we checked you out. And so we called you. And it's this amazing thing where God parted the sea for me. And I didn't even know that there was a sea. I didn't even know what was happening. And so it could have gone so many ways. And it felt so hopeless at times. But I didn't know that he was performing a miracle, an amazing miracle on my behalf. And so I came here, and eventually I came here. I'm here right now. And I just, I think about that a lot. And so I want to go to my first quote here. And this is from C.S. Lewis, who I love. Uh, Faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. So it is really easy to have faith when things are going very well. It's really easy to have faith in the middle of a church service. It's really easy to have faith when your life is humming, like going really well. But when things get hard, it gets harder to hold on to that. Or if we start turning our eyes elsewhere, or if other things happen, or if if we lose someone, or lose something, or we get hurt, it can be harder and harder. But faith is holding on to that no matter how you feel, no matter what you do, no matter what you go through. And, And let me say this, and this is not something that a lot of pastors say, but I'm going to say this. It is okay to have doubts, but we don't let them fester. You see, doubts are a chance to learn more, to grow more, to pray more, to seek more, to grow our faith. I guarantee that Moses and the Israelites had doubts in this moment. They weren't doubting God. They were doubting their situation, so that's okay. And sometimes we feel like, oh man, I'm not a good enough Christian because I I doubted that this would happen. No, that's not what it means. It means that it's a chance for us to really hold on to our faith, to really grow it, to really improve it, to really 
just build a closer relationship to him. And so we go to 21, and now we're getting to the heart of the miracle. Uh, Verse 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on, on the dry ground with walls of water on each side. So this is the miracle. This is the first miracle. I'm going to talk about the second in a second. But it is an unexpected thing because they had no idea what was happening. And even though they'd been delivered from Egypt, even though they'd seen all of these plagues, even though they knew God was with them, even though they knew who God was and he'd spoken to them and he'd spoken to Moses, they had no idea how they were going to do this until God did it. And you can imagine that the seas parted and there's water on each side, and it's nuts. And we can go, if you go to Psalm 77, I don't have it, but if you go to Psalm 77, it's a little more detail for a couple of verses where it talks about how there's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's rain, and there's all of this stuff. God's power on display. He could have done this in so many different ways. He could have teleported them. He could have just made the Egyptian army disappear. He could have made the sea disappear. He could have done literally anything because he's God. But he worked with nature to show them that he has power over nature, to show them that that he is nature. He worked with Moses to show him that he has a role in the faith. He showed the Israelites that no barrier can stand. And he allowed them to walk through. Sometimes it's this clear. Sometimes the path opens, the sea opens, and everything is like, wow, of course this is what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we really have to look or we really don't know and we have to keep praying and we have to keep asking. One of the things that I tell the teens is for your closest friends, and this applies to you guys too, even though you're teen plus. For your closest friends, they should be people who share your faith, who share your values, who share your morals, who will be able to tell you no. And who will be able to tell you when you're being stupid. And who will be able to tell you what's right. And just to talk to them. And it doesn't mean that you accept everything they say as fact. But it means that you have them around you. So when you go through something, you're like, I don't know if I walk through. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That they can talk through it with you because they're coming from the same place. And together you can go to God. And together you can help each other. And all of these things are important. And I think because we talk about this miracle so often it kind of loses its amazingness. But imagine that you go to Florida or something, and, and the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, or the Gulf of Mexico, whichever one you're at, and it just parts. I don't think we can accurately think what that must have looked like, how crazy it must have felt, how uh, just amazing it must have looked like, but this is what is happening. Now they still know Egypt is behind them and they still know that all of these things are happening. I want to go to the next verse because this is where another thing comes into play. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord knocked down the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. Looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making the chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again, 
Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. The miracle was very clearly God parting the Red Sea. But here's the thing about the sea parting. Like I said, thunder, lightning, but the water is on every side. And even though you can see dry land, even though you can see a path, you can still see the storms and everything around. And they still had to walk through. You see, God didn't teleport them through. He didn't tell them to go. They knew they had to go, but they had to trust God. Sometimes we wait to see a miracle, and then maybe we see it, but it's like, well, that's it. I'll just go sit down now. You see, our faith is an active faith. It's living for him. It's walking through when the waters are around. And and again, that had to be scary. The awesome power of him to to have the dry land is amazing, but still, to see that water, you, you assume it's God. And Moses said that, and, and you've seen all of this, but at the same time, what if the waters fall down? What if you're wrong? What if uh, the Egyptians catch you? What if there's nowhere to go on the other side? What if, what if, what if? I've said this before, and I'm going to say it here. I wish that I could tell you, and I believe everyone here, God has a plan for you. I totally believe that. I know it. And I wish I could tell you what it was. I wish I could tell you the ups and the downs of your life. I wish I could tell you what it's going to look like. I wish I could tell you how to know you're on the right path. I wish I could tell you all of that. But sometimes we've just got to trust him and walk through. We have to trust him and follow because he will do the miracles. But he also calls us to walk and to follow him. And that's hard sometimes. And yes, the Egyptians that were chasing died. And it's kind of weird that even after the seas parted, they're like, oh, hey, God must be here. Like, I mean, come on, the seas just parted. They just had all these plagues. Like, it's nuts, but they did it. Because people have a very strong ability to ignore the obvious for what they want. And so the Egyptians wanted to follow. They did. They died. And it's awful. But the country of Egypt was still there. There were a lot of Egyptians who who knew about this, who saw this. You see, yes, the primary purpose was to save the Israelites and provide them passage and to, to show us God's power, but also to give the Egyptians a chance, to give them a chance to turn to God, even after all they'd done. And, you know, that's a personal choice. It's an everyday choice. I have another quote in the, let's see what it is. In the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. There it is. In the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. I assume you know who Albert Einstein is. Maybe not. But uh, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. You see, in the middle of this trouble was an opportunity to follow God an opportunity to trust God, an opportunity to be a witness, an opportunity to lead, an opportunity to follow, an opportunity to be better, an opportunity to be an example, an opportunity to find victory. 
an opportunity to provide help. All of these things happen. Because there were Israelites of all ages there, and so some of them had to carry the others. Some of them had to help them walk. Some of them had to do this, and some of them had to do that. But they all had to work together following God. There were so many opportunities. As hard as my life was at that point, and by no means is it as hard as many people's lives are, I had the opportunity to continue following him. I had the opportunity to learn from it, to grow from it. I had the opportunity to be an example. And it was hard sometimes. And even after the sea parted, like I said, it's hard to know, well, what if this isn't the right way? What if I shouldn't accept this? What if I shouldn't do this? What if I'm supposed to stay here? All of these things. But he provided me the opportunity, even in difficulty. Going to verse 29. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the shore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. I have an important spoiler for you. So if you've read through this and you know the story, it would be awesome, awesome, if I could say that after they walked through this sea, the Israelites were like, this is, God's here. God is just always going to protect us and he's always with us. But not that long from there, they started complaining in the desert. Not that long from there, they started worshiping a golden calf. Not that long from there, they turned from him. Like, we sometimes think, if only this would happen, then I would be the best example of Jesus that I could ever be. If only this would change. If only this would be affected. If only I had this. But you see, it's a daily choice. It is a constant choice. It is a daily choice to continue to try to be like him, to continue to remember that he's there, to continue to do better. And i got to tell you this, there's no shortage of Red Seas. There will be no shortage of Red Seas for us as you wake up. And maybe it's job related, and maybe it's personal related, and maybe it's relationship related, and, and maybe it's Cincinnati Reds related. Maybe it's whatever. But there's no shortage of Red Seas in front of us. And even if we walk through one, often when we get to the next one, it's like, well, this didn't part right away. So... Where's God? Like, what's happening? What's changed? And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't seem like they part at all. Sometimes it seems like we pray and we pray and we pray for a miracle, but nothing changes. Nothing gets better. Nothing is different. And I have one more quote. When God doesn't grant your miracles... Remember that you are the miracle he sent for someone else. You see, sometimes we pray for a miracle and the sea parts and it's amazing and it feels so good. And we still have to walk through, but we do and we feel God and we know that we're working with him and we know that we have a purpose. But sometimes the waters just stay there. And it's like, well, doesn't God care? Where is God? He's there. 
But in that case, instead of looking for the miracle, we are the miracle to someone else. Maybe it's in how we handle disappointment. Maybe it is in how we continue to show persistence, how we continue to grow our faith. Maybe it's in how we continue to do our best. Maybe it's how we continue to serve God. Maybe it's how we we turn it into a lesson or we talk to someone or we seek help or we give help. Maybe it's just our hope. And the more and more technological and the more and more amazing the world can get, the harder it can be to see miracles. And so we really have to look for them. But we also have to look for the opportunity to be his miracle to someone else. You see, the amazing thing about Moses, as I said, he was not perfect, and he had his faults, and he had an anger problem, and he murdered someone, which is bad. He continued to do his best, But he didn't see the promised land. Well, he saw it. He didn't get to go into the promised land. But he led everyone else there. It didn't mean God didn't love him. It didn't mean that he didn't go to heaven, because I guarantee he's in heaven. But it meant that he was to be the miracle for all of them to show where to go. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your Red Seas are. I know that we all have them. I know we all have difficulties. I know we all have barriers. I know that things can get difficult. Believe me, I know that. And I hope, I truly hope that they all part and that you're able to see the miracle and to walk through it. You're able to feel his power. But if they don't, That doesn't mean God's not listening. It does not mean God's not there. It means that you have an opportunity to show him to other people. You have an opportunity to show how you handle the victories, but also how you handle the hurts, how you handle the pain, how you handle the difficulty, how you handle the day-to-day life. Because if a roller coaster just kept going up and up and up, I mean, you die when you hit the atmosphere. It's up and down. So that we can learn, so that we can grow, so we can help other people, so that we can be there for other people, so that we can be a miracle. And that's the greatest gift of God. Everybody here would love to say, I wish I didn't have difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. I wish that. But in those difficulties, we have such a chance Not just to to, to tell people when they part and when we're able to walk through and when it's victory, but to show people that God still loves us even when it's tough. That God still has a purpose for us even if we don't see it. That God still has a plan for us even if we don't feel it. To show people that God is there always. We may not see him, but I guarantee he is there. Because he guaranteed that he is there every single step of the way. And that is the miracle. And we have that opportunity every single day to look for miracles. 
but also to be a miracle to someone else. And that is something that all of us can do. And I will tell you this, that is something that the world sorely needs, to see people showing God's love, to see people proclaiming hope in his name, to see people rejoicing together and loving each other and being the miracle that God has called us to be. That's all I got. So when Tim told me, like we talked about the series and and miracles, and there's so many, like I said. And so just to give you a glimpse into my process for this, and it's different for each sermon, uh, I actually printed out a list of every miracle in the Bible. And that was a lot of paper, and I'm sorry to trees. But I just wanted to look through them. And looking at all of those, it was amazing. Now, I, I knew them. I've read about them. I felt, I've felt the stories that come from them. But to see them all, I was like, how in the world could I choose? And obviously, I prayed. And I was like, help me. And so he helped me to see a path through the ones that I have. And it's really easy for each miracle to be like, look at God's power. God's power is there. This is what we do. And that's awesome. That's a good message. But each miracle is different. Just like each of us are different. And so you may be thinking, but I don't don't have the words to, to, to talk to someone else. I don't have the words to speak. I don't have the voice to sing. I don't have the patience to deal with children. What does God need me for? see, there are people who will respond to me. There are people who will respond to Sean. There are people who will respond to Tim or or to Dwayne or to whoever else or to one of you. You see, each of us has a purpose because everyone is different. And so you may not think that you're good enough, you may not think that you're there, you may not think that you have anything to offer, but somebody, somebody is watching you. And they think you do. And they watch how you deal with things, and they watch how you go to church, and they watch how you love, and that is ministry. I love the quote, and I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm going to paraphrase it, and that's how English majors handle getting things wrong. St. Francis of Assisi He said, essentially, uh, preach the gospel every day and when necessary, use words. Absolutely, talk about your faith. But the most powerful way to share the gospel is to live it. And people see that and they feel that. And I wish that they would come up to you and be like, wow, your life really changed mine. They're not going to do that. 
It's, I mean, imagine the people that you've gone up to from your past and said, hey, you know, you really affected me. Sometimes we do. But often we move on and we remember it and it matters, but we don't know. But you do make a difference. You do have an impact. You are a minister. You are a miracle. And so as we go through this series, as we go through this life, remind yourself of that. And sometimes you're going to have to remind yourself of that every single day, like every five minutes, because it's really hard. But God is there. Whether your seas part or you feel like they're everywhere, God is there and He has a plan for you. Please stand. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I thank you so much for giving us a chance to worship you, for giving us a chance to follow you. I thank you so much for all of the seas that you have parted for us. But Lord, I also thank you so much for the opportunity and the ones that don't part to be your miracle to someone else. And I ask that you help us to recognize that. Help us to recognize the barriers we were supposed to push through and help us to recognize the ones that are there to keep us safe and help us to recognize the opportunities to, to show people your victory. Help us to recognize our purpose, Lord and to live it out for you. Be with everyone here, Lord, whether they're online or in person. Help them to know that you are with them right now. And if they're facing something hard, help them to feel your faith, to feel your courage, to feel your hope, to feel your presence, to know that no matter what happens, you will guide them through. Help us all to know that, Lord, and then to take that and show other people every single day. Be with us as we go from here. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Let them eat cake. On Jesus Christ.